Uh, we're in our second week of the sermon series, Outpouring, uh, where we are going to give the Holy Spirit some airtime and talk about Him to the max. And uh, my prayer is that during the sermon series that we would um, not just walk in close proximity, not just with God the Father and God the Son, but also with God the Holy Spirit. Uh, this isn't going to be one of those sermon series where we talk about the Holy Spirit for a month and then put Him back on the shelf for the next 11 months. Uh, no, we ought to be walking with Him, paying Him just as much attention, worshipping Him, uh, surrendering to Him and yielding to Him. Uh, as Pastor Haley mentioned last week, um, I don't know about you, but I don't want no touch from the Holy Spirit. I want immersion. I want to be absolutely drenched, covered, absolutely immersed in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I know that you want the same as well because you came with such an expectation. You came with faith. You came ready because you love what God is doing right now, but you know that that's not all. That there is more, there is better, there is greater, there is bigger. Uh, and so we ought to position ourselves and posture ourselves in such a way where we are giving God more of our heart more of our time, more of our devotion, more of our commitment. If we want to be immersed in an outpour of the Holy Spirit, uh, then we ought to say, Lord, here is my heart. You can have it. We ought to say, Holy Spirit, you can move in every area of my life. I'm so excited to be bringing the word of the Lord for us this morning. You can take your sermon notes out. Uh, we're going to pray. God the Father, we worship you. God the Son, Jesus, we worship you. And God the Holy Spirit, we worship you. And I pray, God, that you would rend the heavens and speak to us this morning, O oh God. Lord, that we would be communicated to in such a way that we've never been spoken to before. Lord, that every single sense in the utmost being and fabric of, of who we are, Lord, would begin to say, Lord, that you have spoken. We thank you, Lord, and we honor you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Before I get into the crux of the message this morning, <clears throat> um, as preachers of the word, it's important that uh, we lay a biblical foundation. Uh, because if anything is going to last forever and remain forever, forever, and forever, it is the word of God. Uh, the funny stories, the illustrations, and the props, they are only meant to help point you and unpack, help you to unpack the truths and the biblical principles that are found in the Word of God. They are only meant to help us know the Word of God in such a way that we are able to understand it for this dispensation that we are in. I mean, if all you remember today was the crack-up jokes, then I have seriously failed you as a preacher. Uh, because any story, any illustration uh, ought to point you to the Word of God. And so this morning, I would like to lay some foundation for us. Much of what I'm about to mention in this introduction has been derived from Pastor Haley's message last week. But I would like to touch on these points throughout this month um, in order to lay a foundation for us uh, throughout the month. The first thing you need to know is this. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. God is one and also three, distinct but indivisible. You may have heard the word Trinity mentioned multiple times here at our church. Uh, what that word means is that we worship a God, uh, one God who eternally exists as three distinct persons. God the Father who was in heaven, God the Son who took on human form and came down to earth. His name is Jesus and God the Holy Spirit who dwells in the inside of us. All distinct persons but one God. That's what we mean when we say Trinity. It doesn't mean that we worship three different gods, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. No, it doesn't mean that God wakes up today and decides He's going to be Jesus today and the Holy Spirit tomorrow. No, He doesn't shift and change into different modes when we want Him to. No, it doesn't mean that there are th these are different ways of viewing or looking at God. No, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are distinct persons. Each one is fully God, and there is only one God. 
And yes, you're sitting there thinking, I don't get it. I don't understand. And you're absolutely right. Because our human brains cannot comprehend the Trinity. There is absolutely nothing in this world that can uh, completely and effectively capture and communicate the character of the Trinity. It's a mystery to us. But if I can expound on this for a minute, God is one and three. How is he one? He's one in essence, but three in person. There's a difference between essence and person. Think of it like this. This is just a, an analogy to help kind of unpack this. Water is a substance that takes different forms. I'm not saying that God takes different forms, but water is a substance that takes different forms. You have ice, you've got liquid, and then you've also got steam. They're all distinct, but completely, uh, but they are completely indivisible. In Mark chapter 1, we see the Trinity fully present at the baptism of Jesus. Jesus comes out of the water, the heavens open, uh, the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove, and the Father speaks from heaven and says, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all present at the baptism at the one time. You see, I can go on trying to express this to you in many different illustrations and different stories, but what I'm trying to help you understand this morning is that the Holy Spirit is God. If John 3.16 says that the Father sent the Son into the world, that means that the Father and the Son cannot be the same person. If John 16.10 says that the Son returned to the Father, and John 14.26 says that the Father sent the Holy Spirit into the world in the name of the Son, that means then that the Holy Spirit is not the same person as the Son and the Father. Again, all distinct persons, but one God. Therefore, the Holy Spirit then is God. Turn to the person next to you and say, you better pay attention. Here's the second point for us this morning. The, the second thing you need, about, you need to know about Holy Spirit is that Holy Spirit is a person. All throughout Scripture, we read about how the Holy Spirit possesses uh, all of the characteristics, the traits, and distinguishing marks of personality. Some scholars and psychologists believe that a person is made up of three components. They are the intellect, the emotions, and the will. The intellect refers to your thinking, your reasoning, and your knowing. Your emotions refer to your feeling. You're feeling sad, feeling happy, feeling glad, feeling mad, your emotions. And the will refers to your choosing or decision-making. Is this going to be a yes or is this going to be a no? Now, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, you need to know that Holy Spirit is a person. Here's why. He has an intellect, he has emotions, and he has a will. He has the three components that make someone or something a person. He's got an intellect. In order for you to know things, you need to have an intellect. Here's what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10 to 11. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Let me break it down for you like this. Nobody knows what you are thinking except for your spirit within you that knows what you are thinking and what you are about to do. In much the same way, nobody knows the thoughts of God except for the Spirit of God. And so the Spirit of God searches out things, even the deep things of God. In order for you to know things, you need to have an intellect. The Holy Spirit has an intellect. We don't call the Holy Spirit an energy because energy doesn't have an intellect. Electricity doesn't search uh, the deep things of God and then reveal it to us. Electricity doesn't have an intellect. Therefore, 
The Holy Spirit is not an energy, but a person. The second thing is emotions. There are many examples throughout the Bible that talk about Holy Spirit having emotions. Uh, But this morning, I've just brought one of them. Ephesians 4 verse 30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy Spirit can be sad. The thing with emotions is that you can only enrage someone if they have the emotion of anger. You can only make someone sad if they have the emotion of sadness. You, can, you can't insult that which does not have emotions or feelings. For example, if I was to insult this chair in the front of, of me over here and say that this chair is ugly, it wouldn't get insult, insulted because this chair doesn't have feelings. It doesn't have emotions. You see, the Holy Spirit is not like the chair. The Holy Spirit has emotions. Therefore, we cannot refer to the Holy Spirit as if He is some kind of an object or an aura or an energy. Electricity cannot be grieved. This chair cannot be grieved, but the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Therefore, the Holy Spirit has emotions. The third thing is will. Acts 16 verse 6 to 7 says this, Now when they had gone through Phrygia, And the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. That that scripture there is talking about the apostles going to preach the good news. Question, who decided that they should not preach the word in Asia? The answer, the Holy Spirit. Question, who decided that they should not go into Bithynia? The answer, the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 11 says this, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. This portion of Scripture is talking about particular gifts that the Holy Spirit distributes to each one individually as He, the Holy Spirit, wills. Question, who decides and chooses which gift each individual gets? Answer, the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit has a will, is able to make decisions and choose, then he must be a person. When was the last time that you heard about lightning choosing where to strike? When was the last time that you heard about electricity telling us what kind of light bulb that we should put into the light? Never. That's because energy doesn't have a will. Aura does not have a will. But guess who does? The Holy Spirit. And so if the Holy Spirit has an intellect, if the Holy Spirit has emotions, if the Holy Spirit has a will, if the Holy Spirit has the three components that make up a person, what does that tell us? It tells us that the Holy Spirit is not an it, it's a person. And He is God. In his book, The Person and the Work of the Holy Spirit, an author by the name of R.A. Torrey unpacks who the Holy Spirit is and the work that he does and revealed all throughout Scripture. But one of the things that he says that absolutely catches my attention is this. It is of the highest importance from the standpoint of worship that we decide where the Holy Spirit is a divine person, worthy to receive our adoration, our faith, our love, and our entire surrender to himself, or whether it is simply an influence emanating from God or a power or an illumination that God imparts to us. If the Holy Spirit is a person and a divine person, and we do not know him as such, then we are robbing a divine being of the worship and the faith and the love and the surrender to himself, which are his due. He goes on to say as well that it's of the highest importance from the practical standpoint that we decide where the Holy Spirit is just some mysterious power and energy that we in our weakness try to get hold of and use, or where the Holy Spirit is a real person, 
infinite whole, infinitely holy, infinitely wise, infinitely mighty, infinitely tender, who is to get a hold of us and use us. You see, you need to know that Holy Spirit is God and the Holy Spirit is a person. Amen. Now that we've laid the foundation, let's get to the crux of the message. Are you ready for it? This morning, we're going to look at the word wind and how the Holy Spirit is often referred to as the wind. Whenever you have one of those moments where you can't seem to find the words to express something, we often try to paint a picture. For example, I can say that Kerry has a heart of gold. What I'm not saying is that his heart is made of gold. What I'm saying is that he is generous. Uh, when you're trying to explain what Jake sounds like when he's singing, you would say that it's colorful, it's melodious, it's, it's bright. Obviously, his vocals don't have a color, but the expression is used to express how lively and flamboyant his vocals are. In much the same way, in much the same way, the wind is used to express characteristics of the Holy Spirit. But don't be mistaken, though. Because not every time that the Bible uses the word wind uh, does it necessarily mean that it's talking about Holy Spirit. Uh, many times wind is used in the Bible, it is referring to the actual wind. And so in the same way, I don't want you to walk out of here and then, you know, act like every time you feel the wind, you're like, oh, Holy Spirit. Because to be honest, it might just be the air con or, or the fan. Someone probably just forgot to turn it off. And it might just actually be the actual wind. But the wind is helpful for us to know and remind us every time that we feel it about who Holy Spirit is and how He moves. The first thing you need to know about the wind is that the wind is powerful. The wind is powerful. Whenever there's a storm, you can just feel how powerful the wind is. When you're driving along in your car and you realize that you're having to steer more to the, the left because the wind is pushing the car more to the right, or even when you're at home and you, you can hear the wind and you feel like the wind is about to yank out the roof um, of your home from its place, or when the wind is blowing in such a powerful way and you're having to walk against it, you almost have to posture yourself in such a way so that you don't fall over because of the wind. The wind is extremely powerful. The wind is so powerful that it can uproot trees. When the wind can flip cars, it can sink boats, it can knock over buildings and houses. In Acts 2, uh, verse 2 to 4, it says this, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. When the Holy Spirit moves, He moves with such power. Again, power is not an energy. It's the ability to do things that you've never been able to do before. Now, when Holy Spirit moves, not only does He fill the room that everybody is in, He also fills everybody in the room. The Bible says that the house was filled and then the people who were gathered there were also filled to the point where they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let me simplify it for you this morning. The Holy Spirit can move in this room in such a powerful way that all the Samoans in the room would suddenly speak Mandarin without knowing how to do it so. The, the Holy Spirit can move in such a powerful way that the Māori in the room could suddenly speak Tamil without learning how to do it. The Holy Spirit could move in such a powerful way that the Afrikaans could suddenly speak French without even learning how to do it because the Spirit would give them 
utterance. When the Holy Spirit moves, He moves with power that enables us to do that which we cannot do in the natural. When the Holy Spirit moves, He moves with power that everything that seems impossible becomes possible. We've been kicking ourselves, trying to live right for Jesus, trying to fight the temptations of trying to live holy, trying to pursue righteousness, but we've been doing it with our own strength. And the problem with our strength is that it will fail. You will get tired. You will get fed up. You will want to throw in the towel. You will start to get frustrated. You will get tempted. But I've got good news for you this morning. Where human strength fails, Holy Spirit steps right in and fills us up. You don't have to walk alone because Holy Spirit is right there with you. And if you will let him, he will not only fill the rooms and the spaces that you occupy, but he will fill you with power. Power to have self-control and say no to temptation. Power to love your neighbor and not hate on them. Power to have peace when things are looking more like a storm. Power to extend kindness even when they're talking about you. Power to be faithful to Jesus even when all of your friends are not. But the question is, will you let him fill you? You see, we don't need more talent. We don't need more strength. We don't need more fancy programs. We don't need more willpower. What we need is Holy Spirit power. Amen. The second thing we, uh, you need to know this morning about the wind is that the wind blows wherever it blows or wherever it goes and wherever it pleases. Have you noticed that the wind actually doesn't have a particular pattern with which it chooses to you know, go in the direction that it wants to? The wind goes wherever it pleases. It'll either go northward or southward, east or west. Regardless of where the wind blows, one thing is certain, it goes wherever it chooses to go. We cannot change the direction of the wind or try to catch the wind. We cannot try to make the wind yield to us. Jesus used the metaphor of the wind for the Holy Spirit during his conversation with the man by the name of Nicodemus. John 3 verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who was born of the Spirit. Jesus is wanting us to learn something from the wind that teaches us about the Holy Spirit. Jesus is pointing out that we do not control the wind. It blows wherever it pleases. In the same way, we do not control where, how, why, when, and what the Holy Spirit decides to do. It's important that we don't try to lead the Holy Spirit when in actual fact we should be following His lead. The Holy Spirit was given to direct us. It means that when we desire for Holy Spirit to move in our lives, we allow Him to guide us. Sometimes it can be easy to say we want to be led by the Holy Spirit when we're still sitting behind the steering wheel of our lives. Because the truth is, if Holy Spirit is going to lead us, it means that we are willing to yield to Him in every area of our lives. Would you be willing to relocate if Holy Spirit asked you to? Would you be willing to give up your employment if the Holy Spirit asked you to? Would you be willing to give up something that you're not willing to give up if the Holy Spirit asked it of you? The danger of trying to lead Holy Spirit is that we then try to bend Him to our will and what we want. And so we put Holy Spirit on this leash and we drag Him along in the journey and we want Him to do all of the tricks when we want Him to, to uh, we want Him to do all the tricks we want Him to do. And uh, what we do, we, we do nothing but bring glory to ourselves instead of bring glory to Holy Spirit. Church, when the Holy Spirit moves and is in the lead, God is the one who's going to be praised. God is the one who will be glorified. God is the one who will be magnified. When the Holy Spirit moved in the upper room at Pentecost, people didn't leave the upper room saying, wow, all the apostles spoke in different tongues. 
No, the people who were there knew that there was a power present that came from God. They knew that this had to be God. I don't know about you, but I refuse to live the rest of my life where I am right now, stagnating at this point. I want to live my life with Holy Spirit in the lead, so much so that the impossible would become possible, so much so that people would look at my life and say, that had to be God. That was definitely God because they realized that it could not have been my strength, not my knowledge, not my understanding, but God. Some of us in this room are waiting for God to release power over your life. You're waiting for God to release power so that you are able to walk in breakthrough, release power to walk in authority over the enemy. But my friend, I'm telling you, the power is in your obedience. When you obey, when you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit, He will enable you to do that which you can't normally do. But the question is, would you let Him lead you? And here's the third thing, if I can ask the team to join me on the stage. The wind gives life. Although the wind is invisible, the wind helps to distribute the heat around the earth. If there was no wind, the cold area of the earth would be extremely cold and the hot areas of the earth would be really hot. The movement of the wind, though, is so important because life cannot exist on the earth without wind. The, the, five, uh, the, 500, uh, the 5,600 million tons of air that wraps this planet is a key to life. Did you know that each of us breathes about 10 million times a year? We begin life with a breath and we continue life with breathing. And the whole world needs to breathe to continue, and it does so by means of the wind. Without the wind, the world would soon be a vast desert. The wind causes one and a half million tons of water to fall on the land of this world every second. Life needs water, and the wind gets water to all of life. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, you need to know that Holy Spirit gives life. The word that is often used to refer to the Holy Spirit in the original language of the Old Testament is the word ruach. And in the original uh, language for the New Testament, it's the word pneuma. Both these words mean wind, breath, spirit. It was the Holy Spirit who gave life to Adam in the beginning. The Bible says that God breathed life into Adam. Genesis 2 verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. It is the Holy Spirit who sustains all of life. The Bible says that life was given by God's Spirit in the beginning. Job 34, 14 to 15 says this, If God were to take back his Spirit and withdraw his breath, all life would cease, and humanity would turn again to dust. It is the Holy Spirit who gives new life to those who believe, those who put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. John 3 verse 6 to 7 says this, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. It is the Holy Spirit who will raise the dead and give life to lifeless bodies when Jesus returns. Romans 8 verse 11 says this, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. 
The question is, would you let God breathe life in you through Holy Spirit? One of the things that we go on searching for in life is meaning and purpose. And we seek meaning to life and our purpose because we want to be happy. But how on earth are you going to be happy if you don't know what your purpose is? How are you going to be happy if you don't know why you were created and what you were created for? The problem is we go on living our lives trying to earn all of the money that we can in order to find our purpose. We go living our lives trying to gain all of the fame that we can get in order to find our purpose. We go on trying to store up all of the wealth that we can, trying to stack up all of our qualifications and credentials. But I'm telling you, you can never find purpose in any of these things. I've got news for you. The Holy Spirit knows what your purpose is. And until you let God breathe life into you through the Holy Spirit, you're going to wear yourself out trying to live your life trying to be somebody that you weren't created to be, trying to live your life feeding on people's reactions because you've got no compass and direction. You ought to seek the Holy Spirit for your direction. You see, I don't need to seek the Holy Spirit about what I'm going to wear today, you know, or what I'm going to go and buy to wear. When you go and if you can afford it, you just go and buy it. But I'm definitely going to seek the Holy Spirit for my purpose in life. What is the will of God for my life? What should I be doing in this season of my life? Because just because God told me to do it when I was 20 years old doesn't mean he wants me to do it when I'm 30 years old or 40 years old or 50 years old. The Bible says, give us this day our daily bread. I need a daily ongoing relationship with God so that I know exactly what it is that he wants for me right now. And so lifeless bodies, the soul that was stained with sin, this life that was without hope, this life that was out of purpose, this life that was without direction is made alive through the Holy Spirit. But the question is, will you let God breathe on you, bring you to life through Holy Spirit? Can I encourage you this morning? God wants to pour out His Spirit on every single one of us. And when He does, Holy Spirit is going to move in such a powerful way Holy Spirit is also going to move as He pleases to move. And Holy Spirit is going to give you life if you let Him. So if you want an outpour of Holy Spirit, you need only to ask. It's as simple as saying, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Not for my glory, but for your glory. For the glory of your name. Jesus' name. With every head bowed, and every eye closed this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word this morning. And God, I pray, Lord, that as we leave this place, God, that we would just be aware of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in our lives, move through us in such a powerful way. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move like never before. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, we yield ourselves and we say, Holy Spirit, we can have our hearts move in every area of your lives, of our lives, as you please. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.